0: Welcome to Mindful Mostly, a show for those of us who are mindful most of the time. It's about wellness, learning, lifestyle, and living your best life in the most down to earth way possible. I'm Andrea Collins. Today we're talking about MBC, that's metastatic breast cancer. And you'll hear us refer to it as MBC a lot throughout this episode. Now, I'm sure you've been touched in some way or another by cancer in your life, Um, maybe specifically breast cancer. I know my mom had breast cancer. My auntie Janice died from breast cancer. And despite significant advances in breast cancer, you know, awareness, research, and treatment, the narrative for metastatic breast cancer, that's NBC, is different from early stage breast cancer. So time is a significant differentiator between breast cancer and metastatic disease. MBC remains an incurable disease in need of further research and support. So MBC is largely misunderstood by Canadians. Awareness and understanding of early stage breast cancer is high, but we don't know a lot about MBC. Now, half of Canadians... Don't know what NBC is. And in fact, the majority of Canadians believe it can still be cured if caught early enough. And that's not the case. Metastatic is something few people want to speak about, leaving people with NBC feeling isolated. Maybe that's because you don't know the words, you don't know what to say. Um, or these people with NBC, they feel alone because they feel like they don't have that same sort of hope that someone would in the early stages of breast cancer. So we want to include that narrative in today's show and hear from two incredible women with MBC and learn a bit more about what their life is like with MBC and how we can support those in our lives who may be faced with the same outcome. Today's episode is brought to you by Pfizer since 2016, Pfizer has partnered with Rethink Breast Cancer, the Quebec Breast Cancer Foundation, and the Canadian Breast Cancer Network for the It's About MBC Time campaign, and it is all about shedding light on metastatic breast cancer and sharing the stories of those living with it. And that is exactly what we are doing here today. so we are joined by Joni Soller and Kim Angle today. Kim, maybe you can start by telling us a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. Um, So I'm 39 years old. I live in Ladysmith, BC, and um, I love going outside, you know, hiking in the outdoors with my dogs. Um, and I am also living with uh, metastatic breast cancer. In um, some of my spare time, I do a bit of writing and advocacy work, um, you know, to bring some more awareness and uh, around breast cancer and more um, specifically around metastatic breast cancer recently.
0: Wow! And Joni, what can you tell us about yourself?
1: Uh, I live in beautiful Halifax, Nova Scotia.
2: I am 51 years old. I have um, a furry beast as well as my uh, my two adult mm-hmm. children that I love and adore. Um, I have been doing the dance with cancer for the past two and a half years. Um, I have triple negative breast cancer that has, of course, metastasized uh, into my liver and, and into my bones. So I, my life has become most certainly very uh, quiet and, and a bit more sedentary, but I most certainly uh, am blessed to have the opportunity with. Uh, with, again, my friends and family and, and dogs and, and all those good things to, to still uh, do what I want to do and kind of come and go as I please. And and um, on days that I feel like laying in bed, I do. And, and days that I have lots of great energy, then, then those are the days that I spend outside uh, as much as I can. So mm-hmm. I really have no complaints.
0: <laughs> it sounds like you both love and appreciate nature, which is so nice. You're both in such beautiful, you're representing uh, either end of Canada in this interview.
1: <laughs> That's great. <right. laughs>
0: Um, so Kim, um, what can you tell us about when you learned you had MBC?
1: So I was just diagnosed about six months ago um, with MBC. Um, I found out that uh, the breast cancer had spread to my bones and my liver. Um, and this was about uh, just as I was nearing uh, almost five years since my early stage diagnosis.
0: Can you? And so this was just recent then? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So it's it's definitely been a lot of Learning and um, just trying to kind of get over those emotional and you know physical um, challenges of going through an MBC diagnosis and um, learning a lot about the disease itself.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I imagine beforehand, did you know much about MBC?
1: I did know some in being in within the breast cancer community, um, but now that I've been diagnosed with MBC myself, it's just a whole another level of understanding, and it's almost like a new a new language. Trying to learn all the new terminology, um, as well, my breast cancer had mutated from being hormone positive to triple negative. So that itself kind of opened up this whole new you know terminology and understanding of the treatments that were available for um, that specific subtype.
0: Mm-hmm. Joni, what can you tell us about your experience so far?
2: um mine you know there's a lot of similarities between um what Kim and I are going through right now but there's also a lot of differences as well um I had found um the the tumor uh myself I was always a huge proponent of of you know knowing your body and, and doing self checks so I was most certainly encouraged both men and women um to really get to know your body uh very well especially as you age um found the lump and was told it was clean and clear you know 6 months after I found it I surgery and, and came back um, with the diagnosis that I was at stage two uh, with triple negative breast cancer, but the, the the great thing was at the time that it was completely contained, it hadn't spread the lymph nodes, and I felt I was kind of given a pass and I had, I had you know, come out of this victorious and, and I was going to do a little bit of chemo and then I was going to just kind of slide back into my life and, and I don't mean to take a cavalier approach to it or an, an, even an innocent approach to it, but Let's face it, we all know people that that have been in our lives that have had cancer and or have died of cancer. And it's always someone else. And it's not that you're not empathetic or sympathetic. You most certainly are. But when it happens to you, there's just um, this kick. In the belly that kind of happens and you know and, and you're struggling to try to process it and and try to navigate because all of a sudden you're thrust into you know like Kim said, terminology and language and you know that, that just kind of wasn't part of your life before so you know I, I, I did everything that they asked I, I'm adopted so for me um, I didn't really fit the mold for the triple, tri- triple negative breast cancer type of patient um, so they had asked me to do some genetic testing because they had no family history and was so glad that I did Uh, because I discovered that I not only have one, but I've got two mutated genes. Mm -hmm. So that then kind of declared the reason of, okay, this is why you got it, so to speak. And then it went thrust right into, okay, you need a double mastectomy. We're going to have to do a a full hysterectomy. Um, You know, so I was going through chest reconstruction and double mastectomy, you know, and all of those things and and was happy to do it. I figured if the real ones tried to kill me, then then let's go and, and let's get rid of them. Um, so I had no issue with that. but I certainly, when it came back almost a year to the day later, I, I was having my second surgery to remove the next triple negative breast cancer tumor that had appeared about uh, an inch or two away from the original tumor. And but again, got the got the clean and clear and there, it hasn't spread. and congratulations. You know, now we're going to just go into radiation to really make sure that we got it. and and it was during my radiation in September of twenty twenty. Um, you know, gone for a scan, like I always do. And, and my oncologist called and said, listen, there's this tiny little spot on your liver and it wasn't there on the last scan. Uh, if it was anybody else, you know, we wouldn't even really look at it. It could just be a fat deposit or a scar or a cyst of some type, but you're kind of weird. Your case is a little bit awkward. So, we're, you know, we're going to obviously keep an eye on it. And my goodness, in an eight week period, um, it just blew up. And it was the end of November that, I've gone in for my regular checkups with my oncologist and, and she's told me that, you know, this is going to take your life. And you sit there with that and things suddenly become heavy. And, and I felt almost embarrassed at the time that I hadn't, not that I didn't take it seriously. I do not mean to imply that whatsoever. I had lived in fresh health for for a little over a year. And, but, but to hear the words, um, I think I was perhaps a little bit naive or just so caught up in the treatments, you kind of live your life in these three week blocks, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that it was weighted for sure. And then in the throes of COVID, you know, you're not allowed to have a support person with you. So I was also alone. Um, and then that was okay, because she was delightful. But, you know, so, so then it was just one kind of more of, oh, I coasted through the first two, I got this, you know, I'm going to be fine to now all of a sudden, now I'm not fine. Mm-hmm. and um you know so then you get into a whole other world now that it is metastasized and and you know you're kind of doing the dance and and chasing it and especially when it gets into your bone and and um you know you, you just kind of do the best you can with with the cards that you have been dealt with and I'm thrilled that I'm still here I, I, I feel perhaps I, I shouldn't be <laughs> um with uh, with the amount of, of cancer that I that I've had in my body but but for some reason I am and uh, my goodness like I say I wouldn't change a thing.
0: And, um, you know, this might be a good time to ask, Kim, maybe you can answer this one. What's something about MBC that you would like Canadians to know that they're not aware of? Because it sounds like, even for both of you, you know, there are so many things that that you weren't aware of, and and we're all learning here speaking with you today. So, what are some things that that you'd like us to know?
1: I I think one of the biggest things um, is that, you know, I I often get asked, when I'm going to be done treatment. And for those of us living with metastatic breast cancer, we're always going to be on some form of treatment the rest of mm-hmm. our lives until it stops working. And so, you know, it can be hard to, to hear that question over and over, you know, when are you going to be done treatments? And my answer is, I'll never be done treatments. And, um, you know, it's, it's a really tough reality um, to face every day, um, to, to know that, to not have that that end goal in sight where, you know, when you're going through early stage breast cancer, you, you know, ring the bell at the end of treatment. And, you know, you have that to look forward to knowing, you know, you do eight rounds of chemo or whatever it is, and then you're done. Um, Whereas when you're going through MBC, um, you're just hoping that you're going to get a long time on the medication that you're given and, um, and that it's going to, going to work.
0: Joni, what would you say?
1: I think the biggest thing, uh, because I know
2: I certainly went through this, and I I agree with everything that that Kim has said for sure, Um, you know, you feel if you caught it early enough, you're okay, and that's not the case. But I think, you know, for me, I know that I started to second-guess. When it came back the second time in my chest, I was really second-guessing, well, the first treatment must not have worked, or, you know, did I make a wrong choice, or was my oncologist wrong, or... You know, like, you, and, and it's an awful feeling to start to to question and, and challenge and doubt because you just don't have the energy for it. You know, you're trying to remain positive. You're trying to remain, you know, physically strong, emotionally uh, connected, mentally, you know, have resilience from a mental perspective. And, and then the spi- spirituality piece plays into that as well. And, and when you start to second guess, there's an erosion that very quickly happens. Mm. And I think it's just so important you know, to, to be able to look at how far science has come and how much further science needs to go. Um, you know, to to be able to get to a good place that perhaps someday, you know, this can be eradicated or or, you know, there's greater life expectancies. And and I think that for me that was the biggest thing was I can't live in that space of second guessing every choice that I make. I have to to go with what's presented and 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 have faith. And trust you know that that this is this is the way to go,
0: yeah h- how do you how do you both you know this is this is such big information to receive, and you've both mentioned how heavy it is to live with, but you also both seem so positive and you know, I'm sure there's there's ups and downs in your week, in your day, every hour, like how do you how do you keep going? what gives you hope what are what are some of the you know, Joni, you mentioned spiritually, like what are some of the ways you're caring for yourselves now?
2: Um, I think for me, um, I'm Buddhist. Uh, Not that I want to go down that road. Um, But you know, there's there's kind of the four pillars of health. And it is the spiritual, emotional, uh, mental, and spiritual uh, as well. And and to have those four components, as soon as one of those cups dips low, um, you know, you've got to be able to dig in um, through coping mechanisms or or whatever you've got kind of in your toolbox to be able to to gravitate and, and pull that up again. And so it's not just so for me personally, what I have chosen to, to do to, to kind of navigate that part, it is not just the science medical stuff, which I very much believe in, um, and, and I'm still here because of it. But it's also the other three, the emotional, mental, and spiritual part that you have to kind of take care of as well. So I think that there needs to be kind of more of an integrated approach when it comes to health. And, um, you know, people have kind of, you know, mocked a little bit or or teased a little bit when I say, listen, I go for reflexology treatments. I go for Reiki treatments. I see a Chinese medicine lady who's absolutely brilliant that does acupuncture. Um, I go to chiropractic care. I go to physiotherapy care. I, I have massage therapy that I also do. Like, I think that, that there's a lot of stuff out there that you can do that that does give you a boost, that does make you feel good. I mean, really self-care. I almost felt selfish when I first got cancer because I felt, oh, my goodness, I've got to rely on people and I've got to ask people for help. And, and I was kind of always the the one that, you know, would jump in and, and help others. And I don't say that in an arrogant way at all, but just, you know, you just kind of go and do and, and you're helpful to humanity. And. And, um, you know, so then that, that was a tough pill to swallow. that I now had to be the one that was asking for help, you know, and, and, uh, but there's things that you need to do to help you that you need to do to help you. And for me, um, with yoga, with meditation, with, you know, visualization, you know, those are all things for me again, not meant for everybody else, but you know, that, that really have, have helped carry the load. So it's been yeah. a human hand that I've been able to, to, to have a bit of longevity, but it's also, um not a human hand that that yeah. I've been able to, to
1: still be here. So, um, but those are important things for me, but everyone's different and I respect that.
0: Mm-hmm. What about you, Kim?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with Joni. Like I do a lot of the same things, a lot of complimentary therapies as well. And, um, you know, to balance out some of the, you know, heaviness of a lot of those medical appointments and, you know, doing a lot of things like, you know, treating myself to a massage and going and doing things that, you know, or just good for my body. And uh, for me, a lot of times, just even getting outside and doing the things that I love, like going out hiking with my dogs and feeling like I still have some sense of normalcy in my life. I mean, obviously, living with an MBC diagnosis that looks a lot different these days. And I have to be so much more cognizant of how I'm feeling and, you know, I'm dealing with a lot of side effects like nausea and pain and fatigue. And, um, but I really try to still enjoy some of those things that I love in life to really fill my cup up and, you know, not be so um, focused 24 seven on my diagnosis. I really just trying to learn how to live with MBC.
0: Um now obviously we've all been living through a global pandemic. Um when you get you know big health news and you're you're in the hospital, you're getting a lot of treatments. Joni you mentioned, you know, you're you're going to a lot of these big appointments on your own. What's it been like during the pandemic also living with MBC?
2: Um, for me, you know what? And I think that'll be different for Kim. Well, not necessarily because, you know, she had uh, cancer previously. So, but I find like for me, I, my first cancer stuff, you know, going through those things was very COVID wasn't even mentioned. Wasn't there was, there wasn't any conversation about it. So, you know, you were going to the hospital, um, you know, you'd have a support person with you. You'd be packed in a waiting room. A lot of times you'd be standing because it would be a family of two or three or four. Um, that were coming along with the mom or the dad because they were going to lunch after, you know, and, and just and just things being very congested and you kind of eye rolling because somebody's coughing and sneezing. And that's just that's just hospitals. You know, they're 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 a Jimmy kind of place. And so I, I I went through that. And so the good part so obviously was, you know, on on surgery days or on scan days or, you know, any appointments that were going to be a little bit heavy to have someone there that can hold your hand while you're listening to something, whether it was good news or bad. Um, you know, it it really carries a lot of weight. But then when COVID happened, I found, my gosh, it was almost a relief because no support people were allowed. It was masking, it was gowns, it was uh, hand sanitization, it was the questions, and you almost felt a sense of security and safety because now when I'm waiting in the cancer center um, waiting room, well, now there's only five people instead of 50 people. So I almost hope that the hospitals kind of maintain, you know, a a structure, uh, everything from parking was made easier to like I say, being able to get a seat to be able to, you know, okay, it's all just cancer patients here, you know, we're all kind of in the same boat and and it just like I say that that sense of security of it's a little more cleaner, it's a little more safer, um, you know, to be here because of COVID, I know that sounds bizarre um but but it but i know that's how i i presently feel so i don't mind going to the surgery appointments or or whatever by myself because at least i know it's a little bit more tighter and and like i say just just cleaner almost to to, to be able to be at that space at that moment now
0: what what are some things that friends and family you know like you, you said we've all been touched by cancer lost a family member we know people who are battling Uh, cancer. What, what are some things that friends and family can do to support someone living with metastatic breast cancer?
1: I think a lot of times, you know, there's, uh, people want to fix things, you know, we naturally as humans want to be able to fix things. And, um, you know, I often hear, um, you're going to beat this and, you know, those kind of statements, but, um, you know, what I find really helpful is just, for somebody to be there to, to listen and, you know, and even just saying, you know, I'm not sure what to say or how to be there for you, but, you know, know I'm here to listen and support you. And like even things when I was first diagnosed, um, I had a friend who set up a meal train and had, you know, meals dropped off at my doorstep and a, a cleaning person that came in and, you know, just Things like that were so helpful to me when I already had so many stressors going on of going to multiple appointments and scans and everything, um, just to have one last thing to worry about in life. Um, and you know, even doing um, like when it comes to updates, um, you know, sometimes you know you want to fill everybody in on what's going on and you know instead doing like a group chat just with family and friends and having a close support group where you can say okay this is what's going on and um and having kind of a a point like contact person that can help out um mm-hmm. with you know finding other ways to help support you and um it just takes a lot of the burden off of us yeah
0: yeah what what is some you know you mentioned a friend who said you're going to beat this What is some of that, you know, encouraging language that, that you do find peace in, in hearing or not, I don't, what would be the words to say? Like, what, what do you feel makes you, like, gives you that hope or, you know, see, even I'm struggling to find the words, like,
1: like what? I think a lot of it is just, you know, validating to how we're feeling and saying, you know, I hear you and, you know, your feelings are valid. Um, you know, rather than always wanting to, to fix things, right? Um, it's it's a lot, and you know, I do find a lot of hope in in seeing other people going through an NBC diagnosis and um, following them along their own um, journeys, and um, you know how they how they cope and how they are thriving with NBC. And um, you know, I, I really just look up to that. And I hope for that for my future that I'll continue thriving with NBC for many, many years. And, um, and I guess, you know, that's, that's some of the encouragement that I, that I look for that, you know, I want to, I want to see a longer future for myself and not just the, the stats that I'm given, the prognosis that I'm given. I want to, I want to live beyond that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well said. What, what about you, Joni? Um, for me,
2: and I don't like to use the word normal because I I don't believe in the word. And, but (laughs) I also feel, my goodness, you know, if if the inner circle, if the friends, if the family, if the coworkers could treat me, um, in, in more of a normal kind of fashion, uh, because typically what you get, and I know I always look at the intent behind someone's actions and someone's words and, you know, the head kind of cocks to the left and, there's a little bit of sadness in their eyes and they know how are you and oh you look good you know and I appreciate it I, I really do and I know it comes from a place of love because what do you say and so you know so for me what helps and I and I've had this conversation with many people just love me for who I am just say hey how's it going um, and Kim had talked about it earlier, you know, your, your life is immersed and 24-7 you're living with cancer. So when you get to have a sliver of opportunity that you don't have to think about it, it's mm. beautiful. Just to be able to get lost in a moment, you know, whether it's a conversation over coffee with one of your friends or if it's a family dinner, it doesn't even matter what the activity is. But just just give me a little bit of normalcy. I don't want the cancer to ever define who I am for 48 years before I was diagnosed, I was Joni, and I just want to be treated like Joni. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so my, my family and my friends, they understand that and they appreciate that, so they're doing better. Uh, and, and I love them for it. Um, you know, but from a hope perspective, uh, every day that I'm here is a day of hope. Every time my oncologist said, okay, we're finished with that treatment, now we're moving on to something else. That's hopeful it's the day when she looks at me to say Joni I'm so sorry there's nothing else that we can do for you that will be the moment Mm -hmm. that I don't have it so the birds the air I breathe the ground I walk on you know it's it's all great stuff and it's good stuff and it's a reminder that I'm still here and I live very much in the present I I don't have 10 minutes ago I don't have 10 minutes from now I only have this moment with the two of you and I'm so grateful for this opportunity that is hope. Mm-hmm. And I, and that's where I choose to live. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, it been- the, 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 I guess it's the possibility of what could be. And that's what I hang my hat on is I'm not done yet and I'm still here. So I hang my hat on the the possibility of what could be. Mm-hmm. You're here.
0: Well, Hey, it's been wonderful talking to you both today. Uh, you've both shared just incredible words It and grateful to hear what it's what it's been like for you both over the past couple of years, over the past few years uh, living during this pandemic and what it's like on a day-to-day basis with you. So th- thank you so much for sharing your stories. And uh, I know everybody listening to this podcast is thankful as well. So Kim, Joni, thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Thanks so much to Joni and Kim. You can show your support by visiting the Facebook or Instagram pages of the Canadian Breast Cancer Network, that's CBCN. Also, Rethink and the QBCF to learn more about Canadians touched by the disease. And give people living with MBC the attention they deserve by sharing and talking about it on social media using hashtag MBCTime. You can also visit www.mbctime.ca to learn more about metastatic breast cancer and the needs of people living with it or touched by the disease. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mindful Mostly.